Hi, good morning and welcome to the ZP vlog and podcast. So every Sunday at 8am um, London time, ZP likes to essentially do a sort of you know a vlog on the news from ZP for this week. So this is that vlog. We also turn it into a podcast as well, so you can sort of follow it on um, on as a podcast if you so wish. Um, so the news from Zimmer and Peacock this week, one of the first ones is really a sort of technical article that we um, put out there. And we put it out there as a, you know, in the form of a video, but it also links back to some work that we've done in the past. Um, now, if I was to summarise, um, you know, what we're um, what we're talking about in this video really is this: that um, CBD um, is a sort of as a similar molecule to THC. THC is the um, active molecule um, in things like um, marijuana. I just want to say hello to Saran, who's um, online this morning. Nice to see you, Saran. So THC uh, is the active molecule in um, in things like uh, marijuana. Now these days, there's legitimate um, growing of um, products, um, but they have to essentially keep these the THC levels down and keep the CBD levels. They want the CBD levels to be higher. So CBD is sort of structurally similar to THC, but they are different as well. And if you're following on in the on the vlog, I have the two molecules um, up on the screen at the moment. Now, in this video that we made this week, what we were discussing is that um, if you um, if you study the literature or you study the industry, you actually find out that, um, or if you talk to growers, you actually find out what's happening here is that they they're growing their crops, and now they're sending their crop, then a sample of their crop, off to um, an analytical lab, and the analytical lab is performing some HPLC studies on it. And what's the, what's happening is that the lab results look a bit not quite right, let's say. And if you send the same sample to different labs, you're actually coming back with different results. So I've had that as an anecdote. And then whilst investigating, I actually found um, an article by the lab of the government chemist LGC in the UK and this is a known phenomenon because in that lab what they did is they did a study where they said okay let's take CBD we're gonna we, we know what the concentration of CBD is we're gonna send it out to something like 31 labs and they're all gonna test it and they did that and the labs some of them um, grossly underread underread the CBD um, some of them underread it a bit some of them read it not too bad. Some of them overread it, and some of them um, under, sorry, overread it by a gross amount. So the actual range of, like, say, error was plus forty percent to minus one hundred percent, which is, um, I think, you know, less than half the labs actually read it um, within plus or minus ten percent. So there really is a, um, let's say, a known problem. And now these samples were probably synthetic samples, so that. You know, this a synthetic sample is probably more like a solution rather than a solid like leaf or, or flower, for example, that might be sent normally by the growers. You know, and those the, the, so the errors they were getting were probably also not as bad as you'd get with a real, let's say, sample. So it's very interesting. Then, so we we made a video about this and said, look, this this really is a problem, um, and it's it's the sort of same thing with um, THC as well that they. They sent out known samples of THC, and I would say with the THC that actually the labs were even less accurate with the different labs, different results, 
um, and there the range was like sort of over reading the sample by plus 65 percent or under reading the sample by minus 100 percent um, so HPLC is kind of considered in that industry to be a you know the way to measure CBD and THC in their samples but actually the industry also knows it's not I think anecdotally they all know it's not that accurate um, but there's no let's say better alternative but of course at ZP um, you know we actually do have alternative technologies and one of them is our kind of food sense and so we discussed the use of food sense um, is also able to measure THC and CBD and so in our video we show you that in fact what you can do is you can measure the sample by HPLC you can measure it by the food sense and then using our Julie database we can actually compare the two results and come up with like an individual calibration for that particular grower because if you go from one method which is say HPLC over to food sense which is based on electrochemistry you could suddenly find an offset between your historical values and your new values and even though we consider the new values to be accurate I just want to say good morning to Aftab nice to see you Aftab so even though we consider the new values to be accurate um, historically you've been met you've been let, you, you've had an offset because you've been using HPLC so we show you a method that you can get the food sense you can carry on measuring your res, your samples by HPLC the way you have been doing it and in parallel measuring it by the new um, food sense box and then essentially train the food sense to give you the same result as you've historically had with HPLC and then you can actually stop doing the HPLC now the reason you'd want to do that is because actually HPLC is really expensive um, it's basically expensive and inaccurate so if you're going to you know so um, by tra and actually takes a long time I think you know they'd love to get results back you know within 24 hours I, I think they rarely actually do you know with, with food sense you can get results back you know within sort of um, 20 minutes of sample prep but you know like a you know two minute read time let's say so I would say um, so we put an article about that which is um, you know CBD and um, THC are measured by HPLC it isn't accurate and that's been proven by the um, laboratory the government chemist in the UK um, we can actually give a much lower um, cost solution to this um, it's based on our food sense technology and because we have our Julie database we can actually train the food sense to give you the same results as you've historically been having with HPLC and then when that training session is over then you can actually move forward with um, this food sense box and it could be much quicker and much lower cost to actually make those measurements so that was a video um, that we put out there this week another video that we put out there this week actually I think this is really an important video um, for us and to be honest with you with the community as well you know how many times that ZP will get um, an email that says um, we're trying to develop a sensor like they say creatinine sensor we're trying to develop a creatinine sensor uh, for measuring in the urine how accurate is your sensor now that question because our sensor what they're what they're really referring to is a you know is a ceramic piece that's been functionalized you know with the correct enzymes to be a sensor how that sensor performs depends on how you bring the sample to that sensor how that sensor performs depends on how good your electronics are to that sensor how that sensor performs is depends how good you are at extracting the signal 
from the raw data on that sensor. So I always think it's, you know, it's actually better, you know, so these days now I've kind of tried to lay it out a bit clearer, which is, I know you're asking us how accurate our sensor is, but I think the answer is, um, what do you want to use the sensor for? And once we know what you want to use the sensor for, essentially then we can use our Julie um, system to actually um, help tune the sensor to be accurate um, for that particular application. So what we say in the note is, you know, if you're trying to develop it for um, for blood, for example, we'll measure the sample, or you will measure the sample, both on our biosensor and on a clinical analyzer. So you have two results, one from the biosensor, one from the clinical analyzer. And then we can actually then use the Julie database to look at the two values. And Julie will keep on iterating the signal extraction from your raw signals until we get the best correlation between um, the reference value, which could be a clinical analyzer and um, the ZP biosensor. And that's really how we would end up um, answering the question, what's your accuracy and what's your precision? Because the answer to the question, what's ZP's accuracy and ZP's precision is, um, what are you trying to use the sensor for? You know, and it's actually, you know, you have sensor, electronics, data science, um, signal extraction, you know, these are all elements to the answer, you know, what's what's our precision, what's our accuracy. So that was a um, a video that we did put out there um, this week as well. Um, now if I just um, go back, um, we also did, um, now every week at 8 a.m. London time on a Thursday, we do a video specifically for our ZP Developers Own members. members. Um, this week it was good because um, Technando, our um, representative in India, um, had picked up that one of our um, ZP Developers Own members was actually asking about um, immuno sensors, and so we really we so we did a video all about um, measuring um, uh, and basically using um, screen printed electrodes as immuno sensors. And so we did um, talk about the gold electrodes. We talked about the carbon electrodes. Um, on balance, at the moment, I mean, we use gold a lot. We've also used carbon. I think on balance, I think I'm starting to realize that carbon might be the better, um, let's say, substrate for making immunosensors. But I honestly think the answer is you still have to try both gold and carbon. Um, and we went through that in quite you know, a lot of detail. I described how... When we're building an immunosensor, we use cyclovoltammetry to study the steps as we functionalize the sensor. But then we also said, look, at the end of it, you know, we like to measure the immunosensor's response to the antigen, either by square wave voltammetry, differential pulse voltammetry. They work, we think they work really quite well. But we're also very keen on EIS, um, electrochemical impedance spectroscopy. And it comes down to, in the end, that you know, we do recommend, of course, because we're biased, our Anapot EIS, because actually it can do DPV, square wave voltammetry, and we can do um, electrochemical impedance spectroscopy um, as well. Now, I think this is a bit of fun. We also did a um, video this week of um, our laboratory um, in the UK. So, I mean, our best facilities you know, by far are actually in Norway, but we do have some really state-of-the-art facilities also um, in the United Kingdom um, 
as well. It's um, you know we have robots there. We, you know we have you know analytical laboratory. We have an electrochemistry laboratory. We have a um, a small mechanical workshop there. You know obviously we have our office spaces, but um, you know as you would expect a Zimmer Peacock. I you know the, the guys keep it in a really good shape. You know it's you know it is. Um, well maintained well equipped and um it's a good place to work so we did put some videos up about um our facility um in commentary as well which is also um interesting because i am going to talk about there's a phd available at the university of warwick and the university of warwick is literally across the road from us so um i will um yeah i will talk about that phd um in a section so we, we are advertising for a phd um in the uk at the moment as well so in fact that is next so at zimmer peacock at the moment um we were sponsoring and we have fulfilled a phd in um plymouth so um because Saran's on, we're going to bring, we're going to talk about the PhD that's running at Plymouth in our company meeting this Friday. But um, we're also now looking for a candidate um, for the University of Warwick um, to do, really do, do a PhD around um, stroke research. And because Zimmer Peacock is, you know, super interested in um, biosensors, we, we have the IP around a group of sensors called purine sensors, then we're interested in playing them into, um, let's say things like um, stroke. So yeah, if people are interested in joining ZP, I think then, you know, applying for these kind of PhDs is um, an excellent way of, you know, getting into, let's say ZP. So in summary, you know, we've had um, this week, what have we been up to? So we've had our um, just, we obviously, as I say, we have we do have this vlog every Sunday, you know. So that kind of essentially defines the end of the week. But this week we have talked about um, the analysis of CBD and THC um, in growing crops like hemp. We have talked about tuning a biosensor's accuracy, and Julie is a really good tool for that. Um, Julie is that cloud database where we can receive biosensor data as it's gathered in the clinic and we can also upload the reference values and we can iterate our data extraction so we get really good correlation with the reference values um, a discussion we had a discussion this week on immunosensors so if there's more people like clients you know from various countries including india who want to ask questions then we can answer them in our zp developer zone of course you know take a look at the video from Coventry. Um, see how well equipped it is and we are sponsoring a phd um it's at the university of warwick university of warwick is very misnamed it's basically in a place called coventry but it is a really excellent um university okay so i shall sum up i shall say um good uh, thank you very much to saran and aftab and i will speak to one of you i know aftab shortly um but otherwise take care and i shall catch you soon okay guys take care bye bye